Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. You know why? To hell with the hustle. That's what I want to say. Yep. Coming out of the gate to hell with the hustle. I like that. That's got to be like a major hashtag for me right now. And because Jefferson Bethke is joining me here today, he is the author of that fantastic book. Um, And like right in our own backyard. So it's good to see what happens when somebody comes out, decides to get off the couch and say to hell with the hustle. This is about reclaiming your life in an overworked, overspent overconnected world. And why is it that this is important to him? Well, you know, one of the things I know is, and you've heard me talk about this before, usually somebody gets an epiphany in life. And that's usually after something breaks down, you know, something goes sideways. It doesn't matter what it is. You could lose your job. You could lose your mate. You could lose your health. You could lose your money or maybe not. Maybe it's just too dang much. But today, you're going to hear from him in a way that should inspire you to really look at what am I doing with my life? And besides all of that, you know, what is it, the motivation, what is it about ourselves that we could absolutely understand when we have a calling to something so much greater than ourselves and more importantly understand that the connection we have to the divine our spiritual connection whatever you want to call it doesn't include working ourselves to death so today we're going to hear from jeff about that and why this came to be and then we're going to talk about some insights that i got from reading his book jeff it's great to have you here Hey, thanks so much for having me. You know, look, um, this is uh, this is a show that started off when I was at one of the lowest points in my life. And it actually wasn't called The Dr. Pat Show. It was actually called Crust Busting Your Way to an Awesome Life. And, you know, I started this show uh, very um, interestingly and and let's just say serendipitously But more importantly, I was at the lowest point in time in my life when this showed up for me. I want to ask you this. Given where you are and given all that you're doing, I would love to know on this journey to get to the hell with the hustle, what have been some of the challenges? What have been some of the obstacles that you personally had to overcome to get you right here to this moment? Yeah, good question. I mean... Honestly, at some level, everything, and that's what I talk about in the book, is like our culture, our, you know, everything from our commerce, our economics, the way we do church, the way we organize society in 2019 is this. It, it, it pushes you down. It's, it's, it's actually created and meant to push you down a more hustled and hurried spirit to extract more out of us, 
usually there's, you know, consumeristic reasons behind that and corporations. Um, and sometimes we even do it for in church and religious circles. And I talk about that in the book mainly because of efficiency, meaning, you know, uh, efficiency is our God. And that's something that is really damaging, you know, that we that the, the highest ideal for us is not that we would love God and love neighbor, but that it would be it would be done in the quickest amount of time for the least amount of work or least amount of money. Um, and a lot of us don't realize, but that's our operating principle. And so, I mean, challenges is like, you know, that's it's, uh, you know, you step on a landmine every single day. I think there's everything from our phones, you know, and I talk about it on the book of like, hey, you have to set really, really good boundaries with your phone and you have to shape it and form it and, and put it in particular pace, places in your house and in your life, or else it can kind of take you over because, you know, um, you know, coming from the Christian tradition, as we see in the scriptures, yeah. it says, you know, we become what we like, we become what we worship. And the phone is like that. The phone, um, you know, we become like that. The phone is fragmented, quick, fast. Um, it's snippets, it's bite size. And so it's not a coincidence that when we start getting on our phone a lot and a lot, we start feeling like that. We start feeling bite size and quick and snippets and anxious and fast. And um, because whatever we point towards, we also become. And so that's a challenge. Um, uh, work was another one I talked about in the first chapter. So yeah, there's a lot for sure, but I would say, um, kind of, uh, it's very pervasive and that's why I wanted to write the book. And, you know, I love that we're talking about this, you know, from a, from a, 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 a place of Christianity too, because, you know, one of the things that I know too, when I look at this is that we were not meant to be average. And yeah. that, this is an interesting paradox, isn't it? It, it? Everything you read in the scriptures, no matter how much you cut it, who you listen to. Uh, and, you know, as a matter of fact, Joel Osteen just came out with a, a, a book and he's talking about next level thinking. And he's talking to us about the fact that we were never meant to be average or mediocre. And I think what your book is telling us is the way to get there is to really let go of the obsession and perhaps even the addiction to the hustle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, what I talk about actually is I, 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 uh, I agree, but I think we have to ask what lens we're operating out of, you know? So one thing I talk about in the book is, you know, I think we are meant to be average and mediocre according to worldly standards, but according to kingdom, we're meant to be excellent and we're meant to be you know, and flourish. And those are two different economics, right? Like yep. one of the things I talk about in the book is, you know, Jesus by worldly standards was the biggest waste of talent we've ever seen in human history, right? So God <laughs> himself puts on flesh. Then he basically does nothing for 30 years. He lives in obscurity. We have nothing really to talk about or nothing that he did in regards to his power. Like he's holding all this power in himself. He's God, right? And he does nothing with that power, right? Or does he? That's the whole, that's the whole point. But according to worldly standards, what a waste of talent, right? He has all this power, all this talent. He does nothing with it. He wasted it in obscurity. We have no stories. We have no healings. We have no miracles. And then even then, once he actually gets into the three years of ministry at the very finish line of his life, so it's fascinating, by the way, you know, we so quickly want to be 19 years old and are already conquering the world when <laughs> Jesus himself didn't even get to, you know, his middle of his adult age until he started doing something with power. And then even then, he still seems to be very like, oh, I'm not going to do it right now. Or, oh, I can't go there. Or, oh, I'm not going to do that. Or, oh, you want me to do that, but I'm not going to, um, you know, and it's like, hey, be quiet. Shh, don't tell anyone I just did that. You know, that's like, that's, you know, and then, and then he dies on a Roman execution device. So, I mean, that's a failure, right? You know, like, of course, now we're post-resurrection. We know that that's a success and we know what he was doing. But everyone else thought that that was the moment that like, oh, man, we followed him for no reason. We wasted our life. We followed him for three years and it just completely like, I wish I, you know, I can't get those three years back. Um, he was a complete waste of talent by worldly standards, but yet we see he wasn't. According to kingdom standards, 
he was the exact opposite. He followed the father's will. He was faithful. He was obedient. He actually was subversively pushing back against worldly standards. And the so much and so that the actual biggest point of failure that the world said, oh, we won. Caesar said we won. We put him on a cross was actually the moment that he truly did win himself by a kingdom economic. That was the moment of his enthronement. That was the moment of him putting his crown on. That was the moment of him saying, oh, this is what I actually came for. And if we're not wrestling with the way of Jesus versus the way of Caesar or the way of Jesus versus the way of the world, then we are very deeply going to basically just baptize worldly, not helpful ideas of success, blessing, money, financial, all these different things in just Christian language. But that's not the way of Jesus that we clearly see because Jesus wouldn't be accepted in a lot of the circles that we're in um, for exactly his life. He wait, We would have said, man, what a waste. Like, why, what are you doing with your life? Why don't you go do big things for God, right? Um, and then especially when he died, we would have all said, oh man, that's a bummer. Um, but clearly he shows us that that's the way. And so I think if we're not wrestling with that, that we start to get into some really bad territory. And, you know, one of the things I want to ask you about, because I think this is an important parallel um, or comparison. It is, we are, I love the idea of wrestling. We're wrestling in the world of information. And yet, if we really look at the lessons that have come forth uh, and have been written down or have been talked about, they are not the lessons of 10,000 bytes of information per day, 17,000 yeah. thoughts that go through our minds every minute. It's none of that. You know, there's a simplicity to understanding how to contribute in the world we live in today. And I wanted to, you know, talk to you about the conversation that has to do with the journey being better than the actual end game. And I want to talk about that from your perspective and, and what you're talking about in the book, because we have watched the journey, albeit three years. There's a journey and a powerful, powerful one. And I wonder from your perspective, if we are living at such a pace that we don't even know that we're on a journey. Totally. And yeah, I think that's the, that's the main difference, right? Is, is worldly standards tend to be about results. And they tend to be about the finish line, you know, and that's why so many of us cheated on tests in high school, because we don't really care about learning. We just care about it being right. Um, and that is a kind of a smoke signal of us and our spiritual life entirely, which is really, really sad. But it's true that that is kind of how a lot of us treat life when Jesus treats life more about becoming than doing, right? Life isn't about doing a bunch of things. It's actually about becoming more and more like Jesus. And those are two very different things. And so unless you can kind of lean into that and understand that, um, then, you know, because here's another way to put it. So many of us are, are obsessed with spiritual perfection. We're obsessed with reaching a level of perfection, usually so that we can actually not need Jesus. We actually want to reach perfection so we can say, oh, I did it. I don't need him anymore. We don't realize we're doing that, but that is what we're doing. When Jesus is not caring about spiritual perfection, he cares about spiritual formation. He cares about the faithful because, you know, his idea of success in the scriptures is faithfulness. And faithfulness has nothing to do with the result, literally, by definition, has nothing to do with the result. It has to do with how do you treat the process? Are you being faithful but, to the process? But then how do you reconcile? Um, and, and I grew up in a very interesting family. I grew up in a, a Catholic Italian family. And then I grew up in a Southern Baptist family with my stepmom and my relatives. And I have to tell you that for most of the time in our lives, it was a really interesting dynamic 
But one of the things for sure my mom did was we would hear things from her that we had no idea where they were written or where they reside. Like like most kids, you know, you hear things that are said. I want to talk to you when we come back about how we resolve then the conversation about better things than these we shall do works. Uh, faith without works is dead. I want to talk to you about those and really talk about your reflection of those in the context of burnout. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back with Jeff Betke. And the book is To Hell with the Hustle. We'll be right back. Our angels and animals are always working for and around us. Darcy Pariso knew from an early age she felt this incredible presence that was confirmed for her in a Reiki Level 1 course. From then on, she has honed her skills and dedicated her talents to providing answers, inspiration, and tools for people to move past limiting blocks and past traumas to truly live a life of happiness. For more information about working with Darcy, visit DarcyPariso.com. Do you sometimes feel overwhelmed by your mind? Powerless when it seems to spin in worry circles or bombard you with self-critical thoughts? Do you want to learn how to master your mind and feel more in control of your life? Listen to Dr. Friedman's Empowerment Radio, shift from confusion to clarity, self-doubt to confidence, and from anxiety to peace and balance. Dr. Friedman and his many guest experts share the insights and tools you want to live with greater ease, joy, and purpose. Tune in to Empowerment Radio every first and third Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Tune in to Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly Neff. This hit show will illuminate your senses and empower you beyond your daily stressors and hardships. Renowned psychologist and author Dr. Kelly will captivate you with far-reaching topics and amazing guests as you wake to the greatest version of yourself. Learn to tap into your intuitions, think critically about our world, heal emotional and psychological wounds, and follow your passions to live your dreams. The Lucid Planet. Welcome home. Visit lucidplanetradio.com for more information. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at maryjanemack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit maryjanemack.com. To find answers to life's questions, you need to look within yourself. Dr. Glenna Rice brings your questionable conversations on Transformation Talk Radio each month. Tune in each month for insight into how you can live up to your full potential. Dr. Glenna is a physical therapist, certified access consciousness, and access body class facilitator. How does it get any better than this? For more information on Dr. Glenna Rice and her work, visit GlennaRice.com. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. Yep, we're having a conversation with, uh, as I said before, Jeff Bethke. He wrote the book, To Hell with the Hustle. Hey, Jeff, before we keep going, what is the best way for people to get a copy of the book and also to find out more about you? 
Yeah, um, just they can just go. I'm, I'm, I'm on all socials, Jefferson Bethke, or you can just Google it. It tends to be the top result. But the book is also anywhere books are sold, Target, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, and everywhere else. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and right now, I'd love to give a copy of the book away, 1-800-930-2819. Just give Benny a call, and he will get you that copy of the book, 1-800-930-2819. Uh, Jeff, you know, there are so many things in the book. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at what you've been writing about burnout, but also this is where it was always headed. And I, and I want to ask you about, and I just pulled out two messages um, that I'm familiar with and literally grew up with, and there are many more, but there are two of them. And, uh, you know, the ones that I mentioned were faith without works is dead. And millions of people got to under, got to see that because guess what? That was in the all-time incredible uh, AMC series, The Walking Dead, one day in one of the church scenes. But the other is greater things than these you shall do. How do we live those and not go down the pathway that you're talking about? Yeah, great question. I mean, again, it comes back down to becoming and processing, right? So because faith without works is dead, yeah. um, just, like, just like fruit, right? When you find dead fruit on a tree, you don't go, oh man, this peach must have just done something really, really stupid um, and must have not been paying attention because the tree is in great condition, but this peach just must have not been listening to what the trunk was telling it. No, you say like, oh, this peach really has nothing to do with it. What really has to do with this is if it's a bad peach and a dead peach, that means this tree is bad. This tree has been eroded. This tree is growing um, in a detrimental, damaging way. And so again, it has nothing to do with like peach. It's just fruit. It's just fruit. And fruit is either dead or alive. But all that has to do with is with the tree, right? Like you, you, don't, you don't just put a peach on the tree or take a peach off the tree. You plant a tree, you water a tree every single day, you're faithful to the process of the tree. And then if you do that, natural good fruit will come. Um, and so again, it's just, a, it's just the result and Jesus doesn't really care about that. Now he mentions like, hey, pay attention, pay attention. Like if it's a dead, if it's a dead peach, then you probably have not been watering your tree for the last three years. You probably have not been taking care of your your, your, your tree. You've probably not been taking care of your orchard. Right. Um, and so again, like it really has nothing to do with what it is. It has everything to do with like all those do all those things do are being smoke signals to show you whether your tree is good or bad. And that's what Jesus talks about in another passage. He's actually talking about the nation of Israel when he looks at the, um, what is it? The fig tree or something. Right. Um, and he basically just says like, it's, it's withering and it's dead and he doesn't, you know, and so what he says is like, Oh, this is actually a picture of the nation of Israel currently and that they're withered, right? And then they're non-obedient and that they haven't been living, what's the word? Faithful, right? Um, they haven't been faithful. So then, then their tree is dead. And so I think that's what it comes back to again. I'm like, yeah, you know, Jesus says, we'll do it. Well, we'll bear really, really awesome, cool fruit um, that the world will want to eat and that will bless the world and will feed the world. Um, but if we're doing the thing that it takes to sustain a tree, which is water it every single day, make sure it gets sunlight, prune it, take care of it, and be faithful to the process of the tree over years and years and years, if not decades. Um, I was really struck by uh, the a part in the book that I want to refer to real quick here, and that is the end of chaos. And you go on to talk about visceral hurt. You go on to talk about pain. I'm very familiar with that as well in my own life. And you go on to say, not from the accident, but from life 
choices. And I want to talk to you about the life choice uh, uh, in life choices that really we're talking about life choices to plug into cell phones 24 seven life choices dot 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 you can fill in the blank. But here you make the association between life choices and chaos. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I'm trying to remember that exact process because I or exact part because I talk about a few different places. But I think there's this there's this premise in scripture of order and chaos. From the very first page of scripture, we see these chaotic primordial waters, right? That God, the Spirit of God, hovers over and then begins to create order. He begins to divide and separate and name. Um, and create order. And order means blessing and flourishing and goodness and trees and fruit and animals and finally the image bearers. And so I just think a lot of our lives are still on that trajectory, right? The choices we are making are either decreating us, and that's a weird way to put it, but it's like unraveling our humanness backwards, or it's letting us step into the order and the flourishing that God has for us, which creates us more and more in the image of Jesus, which is full creation, which is new creation, which is fullness. And so I think we don't really wrestle with those two dichotomies, but I think they're really, really helpful when you think about it. Um, one of the things, too, I think that we're looking at um, is, you know, I think it takes us, whatever it takes us to get to where we are, to have the moments that you're sharing with us. And what I mean by the moments, the moments where we look at our lives, and I had that epiphany myself, and I can pinpoint the day and the time. Um, where I woke up one day and I looked in the mirror, I was getting ready to go to my big fat executive job in a fortune 50 company. And I had the giant house on four acres and the car, the sports car, all of that, the whole deal, right? The whole deal spiel. And what I was doing was literally destroying myself, body, soul, the whole works. And I had that moment, a reflection in a mirror, and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. And something changed in me. I heard something and something changed. And when I went into work, I actually did not follow the orders that I was given to do. And when you don't follow a corporate order and you're an executive, you do know what happens, right? Yeah, you get fired or yeah, no reprimanded kidding. or, or worse than yeah. that. Yeah. You get fired, you know, you get your reputation gets smeared, and all of that then happened. I would love for you to talk about what it takes to have courage in the face of chaos. And to me, that's really important because I think we have that within us to stand tall, but we just don't do it. And if oh. we do do it, Maybe you got to go through the, what did you say? To hell with uh, the hustle. Maybe you yeah. got to go to hell because <laughs> of the hustle. <laughs> totally. Well, I think, yeah, the one thing I think of when, when you're talking is, um, you know, one of the powerful things about being followers of Jesus is that he becomes what's really unique and rare about him as a worldview is that, you know, according to the tradition, he becomes our standing. He becomes our actual advocate. And so we're the only people who actually never have to fight for ourselves. We're our own, the only people who never have to stand up for our rights. You know, we're the only people that never have to assert ourselves. Why? Because he says he does it. He's our advocate. He goes before us. He stands tall for us. And I think when you realize that, when the actual God of the universe who created you in his image is the one who fights for you, I mean, that's Exodus mm. 14, 14. You see these, yeah. you know, you see the Israelites coming out of Egypt. They're now in the desert. They see the water in front of them that they know they can't cross. And all of a sudden they see the chariots behind them coming after them. So they're stuck. They can't go forward. They can't go backwards. They're about to die. Um, and Moses just says, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. So you do have a job. You do have something to do. And the job is to be quiet. 
right? The job is to be, you know, I say it a little harsher. I say the job is to shut up, you know, um, yeah. and, let, and let him fight for you and let him actually do it. Um, and that's literally what the verse says. And we see that God proves himself in that over and over and over and over and over again, everywhere in the scriptures. And so I think um, that's really what it is. When you can really saturate your life in that, then that's when you start to become a really powerful, dangerous person because you know nothing can touch you because you're God's child. And that makes you different. Isn't that, a, isn't that an interestingly and fantastic sense of self? Um, and the reason I say that is because it's hard to explain for people that are in sexually abusive situations, uh, bullied uh, at work with completely abusive and uh, confounded bosses, part of a corporate institution that doesn't put people first. And yet what you're sharing is a sense of freedom that's literally hard to describe. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's just exactly like that. But when you realize that, then it really starts to change everything. And so finding that and realizing that's actually how special and amazing Jesus is, is a, is a big deal. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that, but it's more important than that. I was really struck by the chapter in the book you wrote um, about silence. Mm. And the reason I was struck by it, I, I grew up in an era where there was a song that had come out. And it, as, a, as a young kid uh, that was really torn between several worlds and ultimately ended up homeless at age 17, there was this song, and it was it was by Simon and Garfunkel. It was called "The Sounds of Silence." And you know, back then there were a lot of musicians that you, that literally were poets uh, in in all conventional uh, moments. But I was so struck by that song for a lot of reasons. And then, as I was reading your chapter, I was struck by the parallels between that song and what you wrote. I want to take a short break. When we come back. I want to talk with you about why silence is so deafening. Let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back. Are you ready to branch out? Take a leap of faith. Then tune in to Get Rooted Radio with Erica Gifford-Mills on TransformationTalkRadio.com every second and fourth Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific to equip empower and enlighten yourself erica will energize and excite you to power up your passionate dream that sets your soul on fire so get fearlessly ready and get powerfully rooted in your yes to live it up love it up and let it go to ignite the life you deserve visit getrootedradio.com and tune in Learn to live in the light and unveil the authentic you with a time of healing radio with me, Felistiana, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Tune in every third Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific as I help listeners understand sacred fusion energy and how to connect to the spirit that fuels the very life we live. Explore the journey of spiritual transcendence and ultimately discover the path to peace, love, purpose and wholeness. For more information, visit a timeofhealing.com. Sometimes being human has its challenges. Our physical health falters, our spirits sag, our dreams don't immediately come to fruition. Welcome to the power of Maximum Medicine Radio. Join me, Doc Martin, in conversations that will blow your mind about healing. 
In our hit show, Doc Martin addresses the scientific with bridging to the mystical approaches to give you a new narrative about maximum medicine. In this live call-in show, we will journey into the extraordinary genius of the human body and talk about other beliefs that impact being your multidimensional self. We seek the seen and the unseen and explore the earthbound and the otherworldly, all with the purpose of calling forth the maximum you. To learn more about Doc Martin and Maximum Medicine, visit www.SharonMartinMD.com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit BurnBrightToday.com. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. As I said before, we're here with Jeff Betke. And Jeff, one more time, how can people get a copy of the book? And also, let's give out your website. Yeah, so jeffandalyssa.com, J-E-F-F-A-N-D-A-L-Y-S-S-A.com. And then anywhere books are sold. So you just search to hell with the hustle or my last name, Bethke, B-E-T-H-K-E, you know, Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, all those places. Uh, and Alyssa's in the book, FYI. Uh, also, Benny, let's go ahead and give out another copy of the book, 1-800-930-2819. Um, you know, there's a lot that I could talk with you about today, Jeff, but I, I, I'm really pulling out the things that I'm really struck by. And, and I was especially relating to the chapter you wrote on silence, because mm. in the world we live in right now, and the hustle, as you call it, um, we are almost on the verge of losing a sense of how important silence is. I, I can't even begin to express my concern on that. And what that does is beyond what we're talking about today. It completely overloads, rewires every cell in our body. But more importantly, we don't take the time we need to connect. I want to ask you in the book, you know, you could have written about a lot of things, but you did write about how loud silence is. I want you to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of those kind of silent, I mean, pun intended, silent killers in our world today, meaning like we're not talking about it a bunch, but our lack of ability to actually be silent is one of those things that just makes us kind of like flimsy and airy and light and dehumanized and non-dense, rich, anchored people. Because if you can't be anchored in your, like it kind of shows you your, your level of uh, peace, right? Of like Shalom brings you this um, security where you're able to be quiet sometimes. And I don't think we realize, but noise is almost, we're almost noise addicted in our world, right? Like you, if you think about it, once you start seeing it, you see it everywhere. One of those type of things, right? Where you start seeing the fact that, man, you know, every little moment in your day kind of gets hijacked by noise. You start seeing that, you know, you can't get in the car without a ton of, you know, music and iPod and this and that. You can't get, uh, you know, and then you can't go to the store without there's always music playing over in the store um, and on and on. And so then I think it's just really, really important to realize that. And one of my favorite things is Henry Nouwen, you know, he's one of my favorite kind of uh, writers, spiritual thinkers. He talks about, you know, because a lot of times we think it sounds cute and great, like, oh, I'll just have a time of silence and I'll talk to the Lord and it'll be really romantic and intimate. And the reason a lot of us actually don't be silent is it's the opposite, right? When we first start cultivating a spirit of silence, it actually is terrifying. It's brutal. It feels like the desert. It feels lonely. It feels dark. 
Because what happens is in silence, you actually face up with who you really are. You actually face up with your all your frailties, all your shame, everything that kind of is hidden behind that first layer comes out. And that really, really is, is hard for a lot of us. And so, um, but Henry Nouwen says, man, that's where Jesus meets us. Like you have to not, you have to not try to shy away from the dark, hard parts of yourself, but also understand you're not left there alone. And you have to get through the brutality of silence before you can actually understand the blessing of silence. And if we don't understand that together, then that's when it becomes really problematic. Uh, when we take a look at our lives and we take a look at, you know, why silence is so loud, what is at risk? What is at risk from your perspective um, mm. without fully embracing silence? Because silence is a gift. Silence yeah. is a gift to us. And I want to know what's at risk. Yeah, I think what's at risk is us, our, us not being able to hear Jesus. You know, like mm. if, if you're not silent, you can't listen. Think about it, right? Like the whole world screams, everything's screaming at you. Do this, buy this, be that. Jesus whispers. He never screams, he whispers because he's king of the universe. He doesn't need to fight or demand for our attention. So he whispers. But a whisper, you have to be paying attention to, to hear it, right? If, if you're just walking down the street and someone yells, you'll probably turn your head. But if you're walking down the street and someone whispers, you won't even probably do anything because you won't, if you're not paying attention, you won't hear it. But if you're paying attention and you're really aware of your surroundings, you might take a look. And I think that's like the voice of the Lord, that Jesus speaks to us in a whisper. And unless you're cultivating silence and space for him to speak, then you won't ever actually hear him. You know, when we take a step forward and, you know, this is part of what you talk about in the book, I want to jump to another perspective in the book. And let me tell you why. Um, Contrary to popular belief, and I'm not sure if you're representative of this age group, uh, but there have been recent studies of the Generation Zers. Let's just, that's the label that they've gotten. And the study was done, and uh, some of these folks entering the workplace or getting ready to enter the workplace. And it was done by a corporate institution that does research on recruiting and, uh, you know, career direction. And so they asked the survey they ask every year. And mostly what they ask about is, you know, what is most important to you uh, when you look for a job? What are you looking for in a company? What are you looking for managers slash supervisors to be like? They ask that question. And most of the time we expect answers like uh, money, raises, benefits. I mean, that that's what the general population thinks that people answer. Well, I know better because I studied this for 10 years and that was not the one thing I got back. Uh, The one thing I got back was respect in my study by an overwhelming 99% said a company was obligated and their managers to do that. But here's what they said when they asked the Gen Zers across the board. I want a company and a boss that's compassion and understands empathy. And you put that in your book. And I want to talk with you about it because you literally, my interpretation of it in your book is it's a pivotal, pivotal characteristic uh, for humanity. Totally. And that's, and there's another part I talk in the book too, where, yeah, the pressure that we're putting on jobs is kind of interesting because at some level, millennials, you know, want, they want the job to do too much. They want it to give meaning and they want it to give them purpose. And it's like, no, job is just about being faithful and, you know, um, just dignity of work. But then on top of that, yes, I think the one that, that is good is the blessing of empathy. And I have a whole chapter on that where I talk about, man, how important that is that, man, what would it look like if we actually were people 
who actually empathize. And that's why I put it as the last chapter of the book, because you have to usually, usually the reason we're not empathetic is some of the things earlier in the book, if that makes sense. It's either that we're not loving, that we're not, you know, cultivating silence. We're not, we're not deep, anxious. Um, I mean, we're not deep, anchored people of depth. And so then we lose our ability to connect with humans the minute we start getting hustled and hurried. And, and man, empathy is a lost art and something we need to get back to for sure. Um, you know, as we take a look at the message that you're bringing forward, right, you know, there are many, many things we can talk about in the book, but the book is called to, to hell with the hustle. And here's the question for you. And this is a more philosophical question. I had a mentor that used to say to me, Pat, what would happen if peace were to break out. Now, now you know that's a little play on words, but it's also a very powerful question. And you could take that personally. You could take that community-wise. You could take that organizational-wise. You could take that globally. What would happen if peace were to break out? And, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm asking you about, right, is the notion of moving from chaos right? To many, many other things. But one of them is peace. What does that journey need to look like? And what is your experience of it? Yeah, I think, you know, this, the, the, this Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And yeah. I think a lot of times we miss out on the, 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 the our peace can sometimes be flimsy. It just kind of means like, you know, an absence of conflict. But shalom, that word in Hebrew, is a lot denser. It's a lot richer. It means a lot more like the, the fullness, the wholeness, the flourishing, kind of like, oh, this is how things are meant to be working, kind of putting them in line, putting them in this dance where everything is in order. Um, and I think, man, if we could get back to that, you know, I think that'd be really important. But, you know, what we see is we see the God of the universe, um, you know, shows us that he, you know, is the, he's the God of shalom. And so I think living in his design starts to bring shalom in order to your own life. Then it kind of has this orbiting force where then it bleeds out into your relationships, your meals, your work, your hobbies. And if everyone begins to do that and submit to that, that's when life becomes really, really beautiful. And you see some really awesome things. Um, I, I want to ask you about something and I, I didn't see it called out completely in the book. But I did want to talk to you about this idea of boring. And, you know, one of the things that I love about the word boring is that um, I think it's one of the most overused and misunderstood word. And I think that we use that word a lot uh, in a very, uh, let me just say, self-centered way. And so what I mean by that is, you, you, you know, I spend a lot of time with, you know, youngsters and um, asking them to sit in silence took a lot of work. But after a while, it paid off. But you talk about boring a lot. And I want to take a short break. And when we come back, I want to talk with you about the gift that it represents uh, for those of you out there, uh, just to remind you, if you're just tuning in, I'm here with Jeff uh, Bethke. He is the author of the book, To Hell with the Hustle, Reclaiming Your Life in an Overworked, Overspent, and Overconnected World. When we come back, we're going to put the pizzazz into boring from his perspective and from the way that he lays this out in the book. 
what is it about that word? What is it about the energy of that that perhaps could open a gateway to exactly what you're meant to do? Let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back. Wisdom with Sarah Main. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio and join Sarah on an adventurous journey to the deeper level of meaning to move beyond today's world of constant change, confusion, and uncertainty beyond the shadow of fear. This hit show explores key concepts such as confidence, values, and attitude in a dynamic way. To learn more about Sarah and her work, visit sarahmain.com. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. What is a brilliant culture, and how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you align your culture with your business strategy for exceptional results. Looking for a culture that drives organizational excellence? Listen to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the second and fourth Friday of each month at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit culturalbrilliance.com. Living Lighter Radio with Jason and Patricia. We have an ecosystem approach to your life. Tune in weekly every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio as we, Jason and Patricia, discuss what's truly holding you back. We offer you the tools you need to reach your goals and at the same time be living lighter. For more information about Living Lighter, visit www.livinglighter.org. A word of caution, if you prefer the status quo and you are not interested in improving every aspect of your life, this book will trigger the shift out of you. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens is available now. Author Colette Steffen brings the powerful knowledge and life-changing energy and empowerment from the radio airwaves to the pages of her new book. To get your copy in paperback or ebook, visit thetruthisfunny.com today. Discover the creative genius within on Creative Voice Radio with Gwen Fox each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Tune in for a conversation that will inspire, motivate, and empower you to share your inner vision with the world. Make the deep connection between art and spirituality to take your artistic expression beyond anything you dream possible. Say yes to fear. Say yes to the creative genius within. For more information about Creative Voice Radio and working with Gwen, visit GwenFox.com. Welcome back, everyone. Hey, I want to give another copy of the book away. 1-800-930-2819. So, Benny, that's three for today. Uh, and the book is to hell with the hustle. When we come, uh, When we come to this place, Jeff, and we've been talking about this a lot, but this idea of boring has been really a double edge. It's a double edge in our society. Um, when somebody says to another person, mm, you're boring, uh, uh, oh my gosh, it's like, what? It is such a personal attack on the psyche in our pop culture today. Uh, and yet you have spent a lot of time in your book 
talking about it, but talking about it really differently. Uh, so let's talk about the boring mojo for a minute. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I actually talk about it as a blessing, you know, that boring is a blessing and we need to learn. It's back to that faithfulness thing. Faithfulness usually to the world will look like boring, non-flashy, non-spectacular. And I think that's where God is found. He's found in the non-spectacular, the non-flashy ways. Um, and I talk about usually boring also as a sign of intimacy. I use this example of, you know, when me and my wife were dating, it was not boring, right? It was flashy and puppy love and exciting. And I felt all these things. Now, you know, 10 years in, you know, it's our relationship's really boring, but I love that. Why? Because, you know, when we were dating, we couldn't sit on the couch or even if a stranger, take a stranger, you can't sit on the couch with a stranger and not kind of feel that, that anxiousness of like, oh, I got a small talk. I got to do this and that and that, and that right? Um, but once you've known someone in a really deep, intimate way over a long period of time, then one of the signs of your intimacy is that you can actually sit on the couch basically and not talk for an hour because you feel yeah. comfortable and you yeah. feel safe. But yet yeah. that looks, that hour looks a lot more boring than it would to be the person who's just, you know, they look like they're just chatting away and connecting and all crazy. Um, and so I just think sometimes we misread what that word really means or or what that really looked like. We well, we read that as like, oh, there must be something wrong with our relationship. It's like, no, you're just at a different level and stage now that's actually a blessing. And the boringness and the mundaneness is really holy. And when you're faithful in that, it's a huge blessing. You know, it's interesting we're talking about this because um, when people meet me outside of what I do for a living, I, I, I literally am transformed the minute I get behind a mic. There's something that happens that uh, I think is divinely guided, just just from my perspective. When people meet me and my close friends outside of here, I am such an introvert that I could sit in a, in a group of people sitting around a fire and not say two words. And, yeah. and people will think there's something wrong with me. So what starts to happen, especially if I go out to a networking event and I'm sitting at the table, I love to listen. You notice I ask you the questions and let you talk. I just love to listen. But sometimes I do get categorized as boring. And, you know, I want to ask you about this in the few minutes we have left. We're getting really good here, Jeff, at labeling each other. And I really think that beyond everything we've talked about today, that level of judgment, I really do believe that as we continue to judge people, which I don't believe is our job, when we continue to judge people for who they are, what they do, their lifestyles, we're entering a mode that I don't believe uh, in, in, your, in, in your terms in the reference in the book. I do not believe that Jesus walked the earth that way. There was nobody that he would not approach or talk to. What do we do about the judgments we make and how we articulate them? Yeah, I mean, I think it gets back to the last chapter again on empathy of like, man, you, ha you have to take care of yourself. You, you tend to not love. You tend to not be compassionate. You tend to not be full of grace when you are hurried, anxious, hustled, burned out, wired, fried, and spent. And so what you need to do is when you are like that, I think we need to let those be smoke signals to our own life for us to actually go do the own work on our soul. When you actually realize, oh, this is actually signaling, you know, X about me, or this is showing me this. And I think that is really, really important because when you do that, then that's when you really understand the difference. Um, I know we've got a few minutes left and there are some things we haven't talked about, but one of them is important enough for us to, to talk about quickly. And that's the word no. Um, 
it is, and by far, one of the most difficult uh, words to use. And and I got to say this from, you know, I can't talk from your perspective, but as a woman, we get labeled as codependent people. And saying generally by society, women get labeled as that. That's I'm not making that up. That's history, science, research. That's what it is. And we get labeled that, about that. And the misconception is that we don't know how to say no. I don't think that's true. I want to ask you in a short minute or two we have left, why was this so powerful for you to put in the book? Um, because I think if we don't know how to like, so here's the, here's the main, it's, it's kind of just math, right? So like people 1500 years ago had the same amount of time as us, but they had way less access to each other. They had way less demands. They had way less recreational activities. They had way less everything. And so, but, but our, so like we have all that, we have more stuff put on us. That's just pure like society we live in because the connectivity, that's just the part of what it is. And so if we don't, but we have no more time, like we can't grow our time. So if we don't know how to say no to really good things, then we're basically just going to cave and serve and give our whole life over to things that aren't healthy and aren't helpful. Um, and, and basically, and we feel bad because we feel like we have to say no more than most people have in the past, but we do. That's the whole point. If we're going to live with the blessing of technology that's been brought us more connected, then we're going to be accessed more, which means we need to also say no more if we still want to keep the main thing, the main thing. And I think that's really, really important for sure. Um, Thank you so much for today. Uh, again, please give out your website. And then last question, what's your personal message? What do you want to leave us with today? And thank you. Um, yeah, jeffandalissa.com again. And I think just the, 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 the overview of the book again, of man, that like that God is actually inviting us into a richer, deeper, more anchored life that so many of us are looking for in our jobs, in our work, in our relationships, in everything else. And God says, come dance with me, come delight with me, come be with me. And when you understand that, it starts to do something to your humanness where you actually become more robust, more real, more anchored, more full of actually life that you were created to have. And so that is really, really important and something I think we have to understand. Wow. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you so much. This is a blast. Awesome. Hey, everybody, uh, if you've missed any part of this, this will definitely play again at the drpancho.com or transformation talkradio.com. Stay tuned. We've got more coming up.